0: The peace of Christ be with you. Let's take about three, and I think we can now take deep breaths. Thanks be to God. And in doing so, allow yourself to be drawn into the presence of the Spirit. Sisters and brothers, let us worship the living God.
1: Please rise in body or spirit for the call to worship. Wake us to the hope of a new day. Fill our hearts Hearts with your goodness. goodness. Tune our senses to your invitation to grace. Grant us trust in our walk of faith.
2: You may be seated. I want to welcome you to worship here at Westminster. It is good to be with you today. If you're visiting, a special welcome to you. I invite you after worship onto the patio for some coffee, tea, and snacks, chance to get to know each other just a little better. If you're sitting here on the center aisle during our offering, if you would grab that pew pad, sign it, pass it down, pass it back. Take a look at the names of the people sitting near you and after worship, perhaps greet each other by name. Let's join together now in our community prayer. It's printed in your bulletin. Let us pray. God, you call us from all directions, beckoning us into a joyful and caring life in the midst of so much noise, so many competing voices. We can become lost, confused, or abandoned. Call to us again and give us listening ears and movable hearts. Let us hear your invitation and be unafraid to answer. Help us remember our faith should not only be the setting for the solemn occasion, but the setting for a good party. Empower us to likewise be those who invite others. Amen. Our prayers continue in quiet. Amen. Friends, God knows our hearts and our spirits. God sees our struggles and forgives our weaknesses. Know that it is in God's healing love that we live and move and have our being. Rejoice, for God is with us always. Amen. So this is the third Sunday of the month, which means it's our birthday blessing Sunday. If you have a birthday in October or perhaps missed a blessing in a previous month, I invite you to come forward.
0: And as they're coming forward, I I, I want to ask one question. We're going to talk more about the fires a little bit later and what what you all can do because a lot of people have been asking, but I'm wondering if we have any evacuees here with us this morning. I ask because that's likely to happen in the coming weeks, and I want us to make sure that we're doing everything we can not just to be charitable but to be a hospitable place for people who are displaced. This congregation at this point is not in likely to be used as an evacuation center, but it may be a center where people come for worship who can't go to their house of worship. So let's just be mindful of that. For you all, um, let's go ahead and just kind of spread it out a little bit if we can, so there's nobody behind one another. Everybody can see your beautiful birthday faces. I have a birthday poem for you. It's not a birthday poem, but a poem for you on your birthday. After I read it, we'll offer you an individual blessing, and then I always think of the birthday blessing as a time to remember not just your physical birth, but your spiritual birth, and so the baptismal font is open, and if you would like to touch those waters and be reminded of your birth in Christ, you may do so, and you may do so, of course, as well. We won't cap the font, so to speak. The Summer Day by Mary Oliver. Who made the world? Now she snaps her wings open and floats away. I don't know exactly what a prayer is. I do know how to pay attention, how to fall down into the grass, how to kneel down in the grass, how to be idle and blessed, how to stroll through the fields, which is what I've been doing all day. Tell me, what else should I have done? Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Happy birthday.
2: right, so you all may be seated, and I invite the children who are worshiping with us to come and join me here on the steps. Good morning. It is good to see all of you today. So today is one of my favorite days because every fall once school gets back into session and things get underway every fall, we like to give out a Bible to our third graders, all right? Because by third grade, you're well into the reading. Like, you're just going for it. And so we think you should get your own Bible. And these are kind of fun because not only is it the full Bible, but there's some interesting pictures and maps and fun facts about what you're reading, okay? I say this is my favorite day, but it's also... A difficult day because I have eight Bibles here and I know there are more than eight third graders sitting here in front of me. (laughs) (laughs) so so what has happened is if your parent told me in advance that you were going to be there be here I have a bible for you but you might be kind of new to the church or maybe I know a lot of events this weekend were canceled because of the fire so you may be here unexpectedly so we're going to have every single third grader get up here and stand up here because we want to celebrate not quite yet not quite yet we want to celebrate we want to celebrate all of you but if I don't have a bible with your name on it I'm going to get your name and we are certainly going to make sure you get one because it's important that all of you get one. All right. So I hope you'll take it home and bring it to Sunday school and read it in Sunday school. There is one for you. Fear not. All right. So we're going to call your name. We're going to call your name and stand up here. And then at the end, those names who I don't call, we're going to get you up here too because we want to celebrate all of our third graders. So we got Scarlett Chikoyan. Scarlett. So I'm going to ask you to come grab a Bible and stand up here on the steps so everyone can can see you. Ellie Rodenbeck. Come on up. Zia, you might need to move or people might stand on you. Oh dear. Zia Palmer, here you go. Why don't you stand by Ellie? All right. Gavin Beyoncek, there we go. All right. Sam Adkins, Cole Rafter, Lucy Tusher, and Lauren Vendusen. All right, so those are the names I have now. Those of you who are in third grade, but I didn't just call you, stand up there, too, because you're important and we want to recognize you. And here's what I'm going to do. I think this is, yeah. I'm going to have you speak your name into my microphone so we all know who you are. All right?
3: Brayden Parker. All right? Beckett Stevens. All right? Jack Webb. All
2: right. So you three, there is one with your name on it by next week, okay? So third graders, congratulations on a new Bible. As I said, you might even open it in Sunday school today all kinds of things in there to help you uh, learn about God's love, right? All right, take your Bibles, head out that way to Sunday school. Go now in peace, go now in peace. May the love of God surround you everywhere. So now we are to our time where we share with each other our joys and our concerns. Before I have you share, I want to share just a couple. First, a joy. I noticed Kelly walking in and sitting in the back. So Kelly, would you just give a wave? We have been praying for Kelly for several weeks now. There you go. I'm sure she's thrilled that I'm pointing her out like this. Uh, <laughs> Kelly, who suffered a stroke a few weeks ago and has been hospitalized, but is now home. And we're just so glad to see you here and worship with us and know that our thoughts and prayers continue with you, Kelly, for healing and strength. Second, the, uh, the Day family, you may remember Jack Day got baptized last week and standing with them was Jack's godmother, Catherine Hannah. Soon after the baptism, she fell very ill and is now hospitalized at UCSF and will most likely be in the hospital for a little while longer. So we pray with the Day family for Catherine and for her healing. And then certainly, we, don't ga- we can't gather today without remembering the fires. So many people who've been affected by the fires up in the North Bay. Um, we have a couple different ways that we are trying to respond. First, on our website, If you go under the news and stories tab, we have listed on our website uh, several different ways that you might involve uh, either sign up to be a volunteer with the Red Cross or donate money. Um, And then our presbytery also has been keeping us very informed. Several of our Presbyterian churches up in the North Bay have had multiple congregants lose their homes or have to be evacuated. And so in the coming days and weeks, there will certainly be ways we can support our Presbyterian churches and their congregants. So stay tuned. Always check our website for the most accurate information. But certainly, we continue to pray. Other joys and concerns to share. Bruce. Bruce. Oh, that's great. So Bruce's great niece, who has had um, some brain surgeries and was really struggling, has been able to say some words in the recent days. Others? Yeah, Joe. Uh, yes, my sister-in-law and her husband, uh, Carol Cooper and Gary Twain
4: lost their home, mm.
2: So Joe lifts up specifically her sister-in-law and her husband, who did lose their home, got out with only their cats. So, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so the Center for um, Volunteer and Nonprofit Leadership (CVNL) um, ha- is a Marin organization. They had asked for sign-ups for people wanting to help volunteer. After they got ten thousand signups, they had to close down the signups because they were just getting overwhelmed. So the outpouring of love and support has really been amazing to see. Other joys and concerns? Yeah, Lynn. Yeah, I just want to give a shout out to Blue Dot Farm. They took in um, thirty extra horses. We've been watching horses. Mm. Right with have been and all the farms in the local area that have been taking in animals and small animals to big animals so. it's not a big Absolutely, I mean, Lynn left. Yeah, Lynn lifts up not only the people, but the creatures. She specifically is raising up Blue Dot Farms, who has taken in horses, but certainly they are affected as well. Yeah, Lewis. I have a joy, which is that
1: business owner that's been attending to me for the last 10 days has been quiet. So there's still some
4: mystery as to
2: what's going to happen, but I'm not a man. Oh, good. So, Lewis has been struggling with kidney stone and is currently not in pain, which is good news. Others? Yeah, Adrian. We're going to request prayers for her daughter who has been suffering from migraines, and it sounds like right now in the middle of some some heavy pain. So prayers for her, Elizabeth. Absolutely. Elizabeth lists up her husband, Carl, whose health is in decline, um, and she's been receiving assistance from hospice, for which she is grateful. All right, Let's have a few moments of quiet, and then I'm going to share a prayer with you that was actually shared um, from our presbytery, uh, to prayer from the United Church of Canada, uh, but certainly keeping in mind all the fires of this past week. So let's have some silence, and then I will share that with you. Let us pray. God of creation, we live in a world where both beauty and danger surround us. Receive our prayers for those impacted by the fires of this last week, for all who cannot find adequate food, safety, or shelter, for all who have lost their homes and workplaces, for all your glorious natural creation that has been destroyed, for the first responders working around the clock, for all the people and places in need of healing. Strengthen with your presence all who are numb with fear and distress. Guide those who anxiously ponder the future. Be near those who are grieving, and bless them with your peace. In the midst of disaster, we give thanks for moments of generosity and human kindness. Grant tenderness, strength, and wisdom to all who serve human need in our time of distress. We pray this and all things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father.
1: The first scripture reading is Matthew 22, 1 to 14. Listen for what the Spirit is saying to us. Once more, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again, he sent other slaves, saying, tell those who have been invited, look, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they made light of it, and went away, one to his farm, another his business, while the rest seized his slaves, maltreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Then he said to his slaves, The wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing a wedding robe. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the intendants, bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Here ends the reading.
0: When I was younger, I was always one of the ones who preferred to stay non-committal about things. So weekend plans would be starting to get hatched, and I would always stay on the fence, preferring to hold out for, I assume, the elusive better offer out there. So I can relate to this story from Matthew, in which... Jesus tells this parable about a king throwing a wedding feast for his son and the invitation goes out and it's nice enough, it's going to be quite a feast, but many who receive it do not accept it. Well, and what's worse, some of them actually kill the messengers who bring the invitation. For the record, I never went that far in my own social life. So the king, in turn, then sends out more invitations and, I have to say, offers a pretty fierce punishment himself for those who rejected him. The invitation goes out to wider circles. Indeed, and more are brought in, the good and the bad alike. And together they have a feast fit for the party of a lifetime. Now, like Many stories, particularly parables, there are lots of valid interpretations of this story, lots of levels to it, but let's begin with talking about what it's not about, in my estimation. Though it's often used this way, I think this story is primarily not a uh, a scary story meant to frighten you into making some kind of profession of faith, which is likely hollow if you're making it out of fear meant to try to get you to fall in line with the big church. I say that in part because this story was born out of and embraced and kept alive by people who were, weren't part of a big church. They were a small minority rebel movement, so there was nothing to fall in line with. They, like us, were simply trying to make sense of the world, a world that is pretty hard to make sense of. And so for them, this story helped provide some understanding as to why their beloved Jesus, who they thought was the one, was rejected and killed by his very own people. It helped them understand that. And you say, well, there's a lot of harshness in this story. Look at what the king does in retribution for the invitations not being accepted. That's awfully violent. Feels that way to us for sure but put yourself in the shoes of that minority movement, to them it probably felt like an ample expression of their confusion and of their anger and of of their pain, their sense of betrayal and persecution. Well, secondly, I don't think this is a story that's meant to affirm the status quo. And here's what I mean by that. One can, and many have, taken stories such as this And they look at the world around today and they say, well, this must be how God intended it. And those who have had a lot of material success, well, God has chosen them. And they've accepted that choosing. And that's why they're successful. And the rest, it must be their fault. Now, I think it's pretty obvious that's not the gospel of Christ. But I feel the need to say it because in Christianity, there is a movement that actually tries to make that very case. They call it the prosperity gospel. If you name it, and you claim it in the name of Jesus, you get it, and you deserve it. Now, I'm not saying those of you who have done well uh, have done wrong, not at all. Just trying to put it back in perspective and to remind us that the gospel of Jesus that we see in the Bible is the one that stands on the side of the least of these, and the poor, and those who are not given a chance to make it. I think that's how the Spirit has worked in our world since then as well. Well, enough about what this story isn't. Let's let's consider part of what's what the story is. There's a really interesting uh, aspect to me, and that is after uh, the king... Uh, initial round of invitations get rejected, aside from the brutal response, something really interesting happens. He simply invites more people, casts that net far and wide, and brings more people, and just kind of moves on. It's a pretty freeing response, actually. You know, there are times when it seems like uh, the energy you have is just not being accepted wherever you pour it, whether it's into a relationship or to a project or to a setting, it just doesn't bear fruit. And I think somehow Jesus is speaking to that here. I don't think he's telling us to flippantly write people off or to give up or to hold grudges, but I do think on some level, Jesus is giving us permission to be discerning with where we use our energy and our resources and indeed our very selves, lest we find ourselves pouring ourselves out into a drain. I'll tell you a story to illustrate this. It comes sort of from, from church life and the church world, which is the world I live in. I know it's not where you live and move every day, but you can translate it to your own setting. I have a friend, a colleague, uh, who's sort of a golden boy in the denomination, a, a star, if you will, I mean, if there is such a thing as a star in this line of work. And um, he's, but he's very competent and he's been very successful. And so early, about a year into his last call at a church, a number of prominent members approached him and said to him, right now you have a hundred percent approval rating. The question is going to be what happens when that's no longer the case, because it will inevitably no longer be the case at one time or another. Now, here's what was behind that question. This guy's predecessor had likewise been beloved and successful and had been there for a long time. But along the line, something went wrong. He'd ruffled a few feathers. That actually wasn't the wrong thing, or it wasn't necessarily the wrong thing. It was just a few, but that predecessor became obsessed with it. So at first, rather than simply listening and and seeing if there was something to be done, he accommodated their every request and everything they wanted to do and conceded on all fronts, trying to make them happy. Surprise, surprise, it didn't work. And then he took the opposite approach and opposed them at every turn and sidelined them at every opportunity and tried to isolate them. And you can imagine how that didn't work either. And in the process of doing this, he lost sight of the rest of his flock. And he lost some sense of his in the church's mission, mission and the church's vision. And it proved to be, on some fronts, a sad ending to an otherwise promise, promising ministry and endeavor. Now my sense is we can all relate on one level to pouring yourself in good faith, if not in perfect form, into something you care about, a relationship, a job, a project, only for it to be rejected or not accepted on some level. And just as Jesus tells his disciples in another story that if they're not received in a village where they've gone to heal and to share love, that they can wash the dust off of their feet, brush that town off their shoes and keep moving. Here, Jesus seems to be saying, it's okay to put your energy and to pour yourself elsewhere, lest you simply pour yourself into a pit that will never be filled anyway. Again, it's a liberating message. God just keeps on inviting in the face of those who would choose to reject the invitation. Keeps on inviting and indiscriminately so. Notice the passage says, and the good and the bad are brought in. And there's your proof that it's not a story meant to scare you into anything. The invitation is not because you're good or because you're worthy or you're deserving. You may be all of those things. The the invitation is because God is inviting with an ever-expanding list. Scripture says, you know, few are chosen. But I might turn that and say, well, that's in part because few have chosen to accept their choosing. Now, lest we get um, moralistic about it, we also probably all know people, and maybe we are those people at different times, who simply don't have the wherewithal to make good choices in their life. And maybe they're not able to choose to accept God's invitation into this kingdom, as the parable calls it. So let's not focus on that. Let's just focus instead on how the king in the story... Keeps expanding the guest list indiscriminately. And let's celebrate that, that God's kingdom is defined by ever increasing inclusion. It does beg the question, of course, within our own limited ability, how do we respond to the invitation in our life that God has before us? To be a part of blessing, to be a part of celebration. What do we do with that invitation? You heard that poem from Mary Oliver earlier in the service where she describes sitting in a field, kneeling in the grass, almost prayerfully watching a grasshopper in incredible detail, somehow recognizing the holiness of that moment, which is every moment, spending her whole day just wandering, noticing, recognizing what God has put right in front of her, saying what else would you have me do? Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? What will you do with your one wild and precious life? So, what do we do with this invitation to this party of a lifetime? Do we reject it wholesale? Do we put it aside and, and wait for the elusive better offer that never comes, by the way? Or do we recognize that the greatest invitation of all is often the one right in front of us? Anthony Bresnikan, senior writer for Entertainment Weekly, tells a story about uh, Mr. Rogers. Now, there may be a couple still in this room who are too young oh, to remember <laughs> Mr. Rogers, that star of children's public television, if there is such a thing as a star of public television, Mr. Rogers also, by the way, who was a Presbyterian minister, let's not forget that. Well, Khan, like many of us, uh, grew up watching Mr. Rogers' neighborhood and thought he had outgrown him when he went to college <laughs> until, he, until he encountered a particularly diff- difficult part and moment in his life. And he was walking through the dorm when he heard faintly won't you be my neighbor? This is the dirty secret what college students do when you're not watching. We don't need to be that afraid. He opens the door, and there is a deserted common room where on the TV is playing Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And he stood there watching, and he recounts he was mesmerized as Mr. Rogers, through the screen, said to him, what do you do with your difficult feelings? What do you do with your bad feelings? And he said, as silly as it sounds now, it felt like a cool hand on a very hot head. Well, Khan was a college student in Pittsburgh, which should be a hint of what's coming next. Three days later, you can't write this, on the third day, he's standing outside an elevator and the doors open, and who is standing on the elevator but Mr. Rogers himself? <laughs> and Bresnikan walks in the elevator, and he can't say anything, it's Mr. Rogers, he can't talk. But he can't not talk, it's Mr. Rogers. So he turns to him and says, I just want to say thank you. And I love Mr. Rogers' response. He looks at him and says, did you grow up as one of my neighbors? <laughs> and so for the two-minute elevator ride, they continue to talk, and Bresnikan talks to him about having a difficult stretch in just a few days before, and in that moment, he rediscovered the magic of Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, so thank you. And then the ride came to an end, and the doors opened. Mr. Rogers had the sense that the conversation didn't need to come to an end yet. And so he undid a scarf, and he motioned Bresnikan over to sit by a nearby window. And he said, would you like to tell me about what was upsetting you a couple of days ago? And Bresnikan proceeded to tell him that he had just lost his grandfather. And his grandfather was about the only thing good he had going in his life. And since that time, he simply felt adrift. And Mr. Rogers proceeded to tell him about his own grandfather and how as a child his grandfather had bought him a boat and growing up they would work on it together. Well, now they were both long gone, grandfather and boat. But he said to him, you know, I still have the gift of my grandfather's work ethic. And he looked at Bresnikan and said, you will always miss the people you love but you will carry with, the, with you their gift. And Bresnikan thanked him again and, and apologized for probably making him late to the meeting he must have been heading to. And Mr. Rogers looked at him and said, you know, sometimes you are right where you need to be. The kingdom of heaven is right here. You've been invited to the party of a lifetime. Do you want to go? Amen.
3: My name is Lauren Halsey, I'm a sophomore at Redwood, and I've been going to this church for 13 years. So for most teenagers I know, Sunday mornings are for sleeping in and watching TV. They have to be dragged by their parents to go to church. But for me, I have to drag my parents to go to church <laughs> because they're the ones sleeping in and watching TV. I've really seen the spiritual growth in them as a result. Since making them come to church, my parents have turned into really great people. (laughs) So I thank you all for teaching my parents good values, how to love your neighbor, and that there's more to life than watching Game of Thrones. (laughs) Here at Westminster, we are not your average church. We are lovers of God, each other, but also food. This church has more events revolved around food than anywhere else. We have luncheons, pancake breakfasts, barbecues, picnics, cake almost every Sunday, and the list goes on. I like these events because it's a great way to build a better church community and have fun. This year, I was fortunate enough to go on two trips with the church. One was to Tucson, Arizona to learn about the current immigration issues. Here, a group of adults and I bonded through emotional discussions, activities, and teamwork. It was a great way to learn, but also get to know people and meet them that I wouldn't normally talk to. I learned a ton of new perspectives on immigration that I couldn't learn by reading an article, which was a really amazing experience. I also went on the high school mission trip to San Diego. Here, I helped at the Boys and Girls Club of San Diego and the Rescue Mission Thrift Shop, a place that provides jobs for homeless people. I learned the importance of hard work and how something simple like hanging and folding clothes can make a big difference in the community. I saw the hardships that many families face. My favorite memory from this trip was meeting Lola and her family of three daughters and one cat. Both Lola and her husband struggled finding a job, and the family ended up living in their car. So by the end of the week, our small group of kids used the hundred dollars gifted by the church to buy each girl a gift. I'll never forget the face of the girls when we brought them their gifts. This is a memory I'll definitely cherish. Like I've said, I've been here for 13 years. I've gone through daycare and Sunday school here. This church is a big part of my life, and I'm happy to say it is. Because it's not the trips we take or the food that we eat that makes this church so great. It's the people at this church and the relationships I've built throughout the years that makes this church special to me. Thank you.
0: So if that doesn't make you give, I don't, you know, I don't know what will. A a reminder about stewardship. Um, There are packets if you need them in the entryway there. And also we we may have confused a, a couple of folks. We will have a dedication sunday the last sunday of october where you can bring your pledge and it will be dedicated and and prayed over Uh, that doesn't mean you also can't turn it in in advance by mailing it in we'll have a way for you to also submit something on the spot to participate in the ritual so if you're sitting on it at home we appreciate the gesture but it makes us a little nervous so (laughs) feel free to, to bring it in let's continue with our tithes and offerings
2: You may be seated. I encourage you to take a look at all that is happening in the life of our church. I want to let you know about two things happening today. First, immediately following worship in our fireside room, we're having a stewardship town hall. Um, If you're interested in hearing more details about our stewardship campaign, or if you have questions, our stewardship team will be there in the fireside room with a short presentation and also a time to answer questions. And then later this afternoon at 4 o'clock is the second of our messy church events, a time to come get involved in a Bible story with your hands and your whole bodies, meant mostly for elementary-age kids, but really all ages are invited. It's a lot of fun. That's at 4 o'clock today. It'll be inside. I know the air is a little clearer, but if you're looking for a good inside activity, join us at 4 now, I invite you to stand as you are comfortable for our closing hymn. It's number
0: 188. Did you mention the town hall? Town hall? Okay. I wasn't listening. Sorry. Dangerous. Yes, love me. This I know, for the Bible tells me. As the refrain of that familiar tune echoes through your head throughout the day, pray for those children who receive that book that tells of God's love in Jesus Christ, that those children might know that in their hearts, and that maybe even their parents might too. (laughs) And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God who is Father and who is Mother of all of us, in the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be with you this day be with you every day. Amen.